Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. This is The Leap. I'm Judy Campbell. And I'm Amy Standen. This is the first episode in our second season. We're so glad to be back. But first, a warning that this episode contains some strong language and themes, so you may not want to play it in front of kids. Here's Judy. Black Bear Ranch was a commune started in the late 60s deep in the Siskiyou Mountains in Northern California. They had a motto, free land for free people. Mostly a bunch of city kids, hippies, and anarchists working on this utopian idea that you don't just change politics, you change the way you live. You start a new world. So they taught themselves to build, farm, and hunt in this harsh, beautiful landscape three hours from the nearest supermarket. And that's where Creek Hanauer met Meredith. Marigold. Mary Dew, very light, very open, a musician, flute, guitar, singer. She was a nurturer. She, she grew things. She was in the garden. Yeah, she was lovely, easy to fall in love with. And about five years into commune life, in 1973, they had a baby girl. They named her Tecilia. Tecilia is now 43 years old. Until she was five, she lived on Black Bear Ranch. I have a very rosy picture of Black Bear. It was a really idyllic place for me. Commune life. People always around, endless woods to play in. Tecilia and her mother slept together in a dome. And there were also lots of other moms and dads to help raise her. And so many kids, including a bunch of older ones she looked up to. They kind of took me under their wings or took care of me or like really kind of felt like I was their baby. Very cared for um, by the community, by the kids, by the other women. Her dad, Creek, says not everyone found life on that commune easy. There were constant negotiations, personal dynamics, the strain of building a new society from scratch off the grid. It wore people down. But the place suited little Cecilia. She was one of the golden children of the ranch. No matter how you feel about things, there are favorite kids and kids who just win you. She was, she was one of them. She was a kid who, who attracted people. People liked her. So she got a lot of very good attention that other kids didn't necessarily get. When Cecilia was five years old, things abruptly changed. A group of newcomers showed up and set up camp at Black Bear. They called themselves Shivalila, a group of itinerant hippies looking for a place to raise children. Shivalila's founder was a guy named Gridley Wright. He was thin with flowing clothes, a beard, a Jesus look. He was a philosopher. He was a talker. He was dynamic. He, like, really could bring people into his... his not like, and I don't even think in a dark way necessarily. He was just a really dynamic person. 
Gridley Wright was a Yale graduate and former stockbroker who took a whole bunch of acid, had a lot of revelations, and eventually started this nomadic community of people who thought they could evolve humanity by breaking apart basic social structures, really basic, like the bond between a mother and her child. Wright thought if those bonds were broken, if people didn't own their children, if the whole idea of mother and fathers went away and kids were raised collectively, children would be stronger, more resilient, less egocentric a group consciousness would emerge that would eventually transform society. And that's what attracted Gail Custis to join. She first met Wright in Golden Gate Park when she was a young mother. He was communicating with a six-month-old baby as if she were a sentient being and not a baby. Wright told Gail about his child-centric philosophy and his group, Shiva Lila, that he was looking for women and children to join them. So then um, I decided to go with him, and he immediately took the diaper off my baby, and I kind of, uh-uh, and he then picked her up and put her on his hip like a third-world mother, tucked the diaper into his shirt and said, no, it's okay, she'll tell me if she needs to pee. She won't pee on me. There aren't many recordings of Wright, but here's one. It's from a documentary about the commune at Black Bear Ranch. You see, part of my trip is that I don't have any children. I don't have any family that is mine, and everybody I'm with is me. His vision was way beyond anything happening at Black Bear. Cecilia says her mother Meredith had been searching for a more radical way to live. Her mother was fascinated by Gridley Wright when he came to Black Bear Ranch. She went into a teepee with him, took LSD, and talked for hours. He somehow turned her mind toward what they were doing in such a way that she never went back, like, not once. Of course, little Cecilia didn't know about any of this at the time. She was just five years old when the Shiva Lila came to Black Bear. The only way I was brought into awareness of them being on our ranch um, was that they had clothes with them. <laughs> and at Black Bear, we, whatever, we were not attached to anything. We would get our clothes from the barn loft where you would just have this big pile. And if you needed something, you could get it there. And I just don't even remember caring about anything like that. But I remember they had this a cute pair of jeans and I put them on. I was like, ooh, I'm in my jeans. And I think it was the first time I was even aware, aware of my own self or aware of my own body or something appealing that I wanted. I don't think I'd ever really wanted for anything. And I, and I just remember like having this like desire type of experience for these jeans. <laughs> so five-year-old Cecilia is strutting around the ranch in her too tight new jeans with her new self-awareness. When someone tells her that her mom's boyfriend, a guy named Jeff, is looking for her, Cecilia's parents had split up at this point, and her mother had a new baby with Jeff. So Cecilia heads off to the pond to meet him. The pond was sort of the center of our, like, um, play life at Black Bear, and it was fed by this beautiful um, stream that comes in from the creek. Jeff was standing by the pond, conferring with a bunch of people Cecilia didn't know, Shivalila people. He looked uncomfortable. One of the strangers told Jeff to pick up Cecilia and throw her in. He threw me in the pond, and um, I had jeans on and couldn't swim, and was drowning. And no one had ever, ever, that I could remember, ever done anything mean to me. And so I was trying to grapple with that, like, why would someone do this mean? And then I, meanwhile, I just, there was not, no one was coming to save me. I'm sinking underneath, you're in the pond. It's kind of, you can sort of see, because it's sort of like a filtered, dusty light in the pond. 
And um, I just remember that feel of constriction of the jeans and not, and I'm, yeah, it kind of makes me feel suffocaty right now. Like not, no one coming to get me. And I just found my way to the bottom and crawled up to the shore and then looked at these people who were sort, not really laughing or mocking, but that was what it felt like. And I just was kind of horrified. Like, how could the world do that to me? Jeff was being tested. Could he rise above his attachment to Cecilia? Could he break that bond, essentially give her up to the group? This was Gridley Wright's whole idea. He felt like if you broke that bond that you would create more, what they called children of the world and mothers of the world, or more of a tribal mindset, so that you would really have more of a universal consciousness and awareness and love and kindness and place in your heart. So I could love you as much as I could love any other person. You don't have to be my mother. For Cecilia, though she didn't realize it at the time, that moment at the pond was the beginning of a new reality. Her childhood was about to become an experiment in someone else's philosophy, and it could be brutal. Shiva Lila was all about forcing the truth, however cruel and painful that could be. Members used LSD and long encounter sessions designed to expose conflict. They were all about, like, pushing buttons and ripping your ego to shreds and uh, just kind of, they had a very they had a very pushy approach just unreal the drugs the the um, the anger creek to celia's dad says he couldn't stand them they're just playing games all the time fuck you you know in my face about this and that and then just friendly as hell and smiling oh it's just so great and then <sighs> creek wasn't alone most of the people at black bear were fed up the Shivalila were trying to take over their commune and stay on the land, so the Black Bear people decided to kick them off. Cecilia's mom wanted to follow them. My mom had decided to go. Like, that was that. And, and so it was left up to Jeff, me, and Forrest to decide whether we were going with her. Forrest was Cecilia's baby brother. He was nine months old at the time. Cecilia was five. And that idea of choice, that kids are wise enough to make their own decisions, that is core to Shivalila's philosophy. It was up to Cecilia to decide if she was going with her mom or not. Everyone at Black Bear, because they hated Shivalila so much, wanted me to stay. Cecilia remembers at that last moment, her mom was in the car getting ready to leave. A group of women and girls from the commune were physically holding Cecilia, trying to get her to stay. She was in a car ready to leave, and we were outside the main house. And this group was sort of, it was almost like a holding force, like, okay, you guys need to get off our property. And I was kind of with them. Cecilia doesn't remember what happened next. She was told about it later. And what she did still haunts her. Basically, I guess what I did is I kind of assessed her leaving, looked at them, and then turned to everyone at Black Bear, all of my allies and friends and mothers and sisters, and showed them the middle finger and said, fuck you. Now, <laughs> that isn't me, but that is Shivalila. Fuck you is something that rattles adults and messes with their ego and they don't know how to handle it. And so you can just do it in this like way just to kind of mess with them. So that's what I did. How did those people feel? How did Black Bear feel to have like this child? I mean, people loved me and they did nothing but keep me safe. And so I think it was, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, so heartbreaking. Like what worse thing could you do? 
So, so I tell it like it's a choice, but there was no choice for me. Um, I just want to be with her. She just wanted to be with her, her mother. So to Celia, and also Jeff and the baby Forrest, they all followed her mother in the Shivalila. First, they camped in a national forest nearby, about two dozen of them in all. But pretty soon, to Celia's mother left, sent away by the Shivalila on some task. That's when it first became clear to me that I... The things were not going to be the way <laughs> that I expected. That was the first, like, that I was totally separated from her um, and not allowed to be with her. The separation was part of the Shivalila plan. Cecilia had lived with her mother for five years. They had a strong bond. It would take a severance, a cutting off, for Cecilia and her mom to break that parental bond and give themselves up to the communal experience. Gridley Wright wanted Shivalila to live with tribal cultures, where, he said, collective unity is a living reality. He was intrigued by the Tassadeh in the Philippines. So the group, with Tisilia and Forrest and Jeff, but without Tisilia's mom, Meredith, went there. Part of their plan was to leave us with families around the world. So that, that was one way to break the bond and also learn how to be children of the world and... Leave the kids yes. on their own. Yes. So mm-hmm. they would find families in the countries that we went to and through for whatever, either out of curiosity. I don't believe that they ever paid them anything to have us, but they would find families. They'd talk to them about our, you know, this experiment we were doing. And um, so they would eventually find a family that was willing to take one of us, um, not for, for periods of time, just so we can learn from each other. When they got to the Philippines, the baby, Forrest, was sent to live with one family, strangers. Cecilia was sent with another one. They left me with these people. I'm like, I do not like you. Who are you? (laughs) So that was my first approach was just to be like, uh, no. (laughs) But they basically wouldn't let me go because they were, I don't know, whatever. They weren't supposed to. I was supposed to stay with them. She says she didn't get why she was there. She didn't speak the language. She missed her mom. So Cecilia decided to run away. Eventually, they left me at home with the girl, and she had to go to the market. And um, she told me I could go with her if I promised to hold her hand the whole way. But I definitely had escape in mind. And I I mean, I don't even know how could I know this and how did I even know where I was. But basically, we got to the road, and we were walking along, and I knew we weren't that far from where the Shivalila house was. And it was, I just remember it was like warm, hot dirt road, and I, it was like a straight shot ahead of me, and I told her I needed to bend down to tie my shoe, so she let my hand go, and I bent down, and I just bolted away <laughs> and um, got back to the Shivalila house, and I was so proud of myself. Oh, my God, I got home. Like, how cool is that? But the Shivalila people weren't proud of her, and they weren't happy to see her. She wasn't following their plan to become a child of the world. Still, they let her stay. During this time, Forrest, the baby, was really suffering. He'd never acclimated to the move to the Philippines and being without his mother. He cried all the time. And by the time he got sent back by the Filipino family he had been assigned to, he was in even worse shape. He wasn't healthy. He was malnourished. Um, he He just cried a lot. And so through the course of that and Jeff seeing that Meredith was gone and there was no way we were going to get her or he wasn't going to get her back and Forrest wasn't doing well, he made an incredibly smart decision. And he um, he decided to leave the group and take Forrest back to Black Bear. Um, 
which and I don't know what, uh, where his decision laid with me because I do I mean I, he's like a father to me in a lot of ways um, uh, yeah I didn't go with them and I don't know I don't think he felt like he could take me because I really was my mom's child so Jeff and Forrest left Meredith Decilia's mother was still gone five-year-old Decilia stayed and if life with the Shivalila up till now had been tough it was about to get worse coming up after the break Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit Donate dot kqed dot org slash podcasts to sign up now that's podcast with an s thanks welcome back to the leap when we left off Cecilia was in the philippines with shivalila without jeff forrest or her mother and the contrast between what she had had just months before at black bear was startling there she'd been surrounded by her family and so many people who loved her Communal living there meant establishing more connections, getting more love. With Shivalila, Tecilia didn't feel connected to anyone. She felt like she'd gone from a place where everyone loved her to a place where no one did. It was just me. It was like they took my mom away. And then they didn't really give you a replacement figure to really watch out for you. So it wasn't like there was some new person that I like really bonded with or some other kid who really felt like a strong ally. So there wasn't really someone who just like started taking care of me. No one was supposed to feel special or different. They were to rise above their egos, form a collective consciousness. So there were no birthdays. Kids didn't know how old they were. They didn't distinguish between children's genders. They wore a kind of unisex uniform, plain drab clothes and short cropped hair. There were no toys or books. The Shivalila felt that children are naturally wise, imaginative, and free. And exposure to books gets in the way of that. So the kids weren't taught to read. And they got new names. They started referring to me as Tassaday, and at first I hated it. Because you are, your identity is your name, and, and especially for someone else to just, uh, just say, this is who you are. And so I remember holding on to, like, I'm Tassilia. But they teased me about it and heard kind of the kids, um, probably instigated by the adults. They harassed me enough about, like, who Tassilia was, and, like, it was this person that I would want to slough off, this, like, weak, um, crybaby kind of person who was attached to her mommy and lived at Black Bear and needed all those things. And so Tassaday was like a stronger, more fierce, self-sufficient person. And so that is who I was for the longest time, just actually then didn't even remember Tassilia, honestly. After a few months in the Philippines, the Shivalila moved on. They went to India. 
Until now, in Cecilia's eyes, the whole Shivalila experiment was mostly sad. She desperately missed her mother. But in India, it turned into an actual tragedy. So then we went to India, and I don't know how they chose their location, but they chose the town of Manali, and it was wintertime. And they didn't know this at the time, but a lot of people had left this particular town because there was an epidemic of diphtheria. And we were all, the kids were unimmunized, and the kids got sick almost immediately. Cecilia didn't get sick. She was kept in another room. I remember being in the room and hearing the kids next to me, um, like just coughing uncontrollably. Remember Gail? That's the woman who met Gridley Wright, the leader of Shivalila, in Golden Gate Park, and she loved the way he talked to her child. Well, after Gail joined Shivalila, she was separated from her two kids, just like Meredith, Cecilia's mother, had been. Gail and Meredith had been sent to Africa to find land for the Shivalila. They ran out of money, and Gail says they ended up being away far longer than they wanted to be, about three months. They hadn't seen their kids since the Shivalila went abroad. Finally, the two moms got to a guest house in India, where they were supposed to go to find out where their children were living. He and his wife opened the door, and they said, which one of you are Gail? And I said, I am. And he said, come in and sit down. And his wife said, do you have to tell them right away? And he said, yes. And so we sat down, and they told me that my son, Ray's, was dead. And I fell on the floor, you know, just bawling and screaming and cursing and everything, and then sat up, and they said, and one of the babies died. And then they told me that, my daughter had died too. So that was the first thing that I learned when I got to India was that my kids were dead. Four of the Shivalila kids died of diphtheria and pneumonia in India, including Roshi, the daughter of the group's leader, Gridley Wright. He brought her body out wrapped in um, just like hand-hewn cloth, which was what we did was if a kid died, they would wrap them in cloth and then um, cremate them. And so that was her. Like he had been in there wrapping up her body in this cloth and they were getting the fire ready to cremate her. And that and that was that. And that was kind of how, like, and at least in my memory, how quickly that happened. And it's around this time, when Cecilia is getting close to six years old, that she has a surprisingly adult-like realization. She can't trust the Shivalila to keep her safe. I almost remember it as like a, a dream in a dreamscape, realizing that oh my god, these people—they don't have my best interests in mind. Like, I—if anyone is gonna get me through this or protect me, it's going to be me. Shivalila had a way of dealing with conflict, problems, crisis. Whenever the group needed to work out something, like the death of the children, the adults would drop acid and hash it all out. They did a lot of LSD. It was part of their process. They would also sometimes dose the kids without the kids knowing. Cecilia remembers it happening to her maybe half a dozen times. It would be slipped into her juice at breakfast, and a bit later, Cecilia would start to feel funny and think, oh no, here we go again. The first time she remembers it happening is in India, sometime after the kids died. One of the adults took her on a hike. I just remember, like, just sensations beginning to shift and colors getting really bright and um, getting a real strong tactile sense. And 
all like it was like the world was kind of shifting so it was almost like the change that was going on outside of me was actually happening in me and we walked toward a temple and I remember there being like statue lions um, outside of the temple and we walked in and feeling that like the doors close and then feeling like the temple was a spaceship that was going off into space and then I rose out of my body seeing my human self down below and thinking that I was like really I just remember feeling like I was in space and there was never going to be a return. It was really scary. Eventually she came back into her body and opened the door. I felt completely alone in this temple um, and opening the door and seeing the trees and stars and actually being so relieved that it was Earth. <laughs> but then going, oh my God, I didn't know where I was or how I was going to get out of there. And then there was this small building right next to the main temple. And in my mind, it almost looks like a doghouse. It was probably like a small shrine. And it was like my size and comforting. And so I went into that and kind of while I was still scared and didn't know how I was ever going to get home or where home was or if anyone was going to come and get me, being comforted by just being able to be warm in a small space and kind of realizing that I could take care of myself in that moment. She falls asleep there, and when she wakes up, she's so relieved to see there's a path to lead her away from there. And there's a trail right next to me, um, and I just started following the trail down the hill. And I was walking down the trail, and all of a sudden, this thing, person, jumped out from behind a rock and was like, boo! It was Tecilia's mother. Tecilia hadn't seen her for months, since right after they left Black Bear. And now, at the end of this acid trip, there she was. The first thing I felt was completely betrayed. To know that she may have been connected to that experience, maybe she was there the whole time, or maybe another adult was there the whole time, and they let me go through that, and they didn't do anything. Cecilia's sole goal, her only wish during this whole period, was to be with her mother, to be loved by her mother. So now her mother was back for a time, but Cecilia wasn't getting what she wanted from her. There weren't any I love yous, no hugs. There had been none of that since she joined the Shivalila. She had this very like, um, almost like expressionless, serious face where she didn't... Uh, at least with me, she wouldn't smile a lot, I think because she was just trying to be so strong or be, I don't know what, but like do what she felt like she needed to do to be in the group and grow and overcome her attachments. And Cecilia found herself searching for any sign, any crumb that her mother might give her, that her mother noticed her or cared. But I could tell when she was either worried or um, thinking about something because her lip would twitch, like the corner of her mouth would like do this. And I, lo I loved that there was something, like, some way that I could reach her. After about a year in India, the founder of the group, Gridley Wright, died, and things got even harder for Tecilia. She had a terrible relationship with the woman who stepped into Phila's leadership role, Kamala. Tecilia felt she favored the other kids over her, and Tecilia bucked against her authority. They fought a lot. Meanwhile, her mother would come and go, off on jobs to make money for the Shivalila to survive, and Tecilia was sent off to various families. It all felt so lonely. Cecilia remembers one tiny moment that seems to sum up the whole time for her. It was when she took a walk by herself and found this weird plant. And I remember touching this plant, and the plant moved. It's some sort of feeling plant. I can't remember what it's called, but it, like, it retracts with human touch. 
it was almost like I had more connection to that plant. The plant responded to me, but no one in the group would. I think the hardest thing for me about Shivalila was that people weren't very responsive to you. So the plant was like directly responding to my contact with it, whereas the adults, it wouldn't like it wouldn't matter what I felt. Nobody cared what I felt. Nobody cared if I was sad. Nobody, I mean, anything. Finally, when Tecilia was nearly nine years old, after being abroad close to four years, the group returned to the United States and eventually made their way to Eugene, Oregon. And that's where, one day, something extraordinary happened. It started after Tecilia got into a huge fight with Kamala, the woman who was now acting as leader of Shivalila. She was so angry at me, and my mom was about to leave. She actually let me leave with my mom, which she had never done before. She just wanted me out of there. And she let me get in the car with my mom, which really changed my life. Tecilia was finally allowed to be with her mom. She couldn't believe it. Her mother was going on a tree planting job for Shivalila, and Tecilia was able to stay and work with her for a while. One day they took a drive. We drove into this town one day, and it was only when we were, like, pulling into the town that she said, we know people here. And we were pulling up at the post office in Forks of Salmon. That's the tiny town closest to Black Bear Ranch, the commune where Tecilia was raised until she was five. And she said, we know people here. Like, the most casual thing. I was like, okay. And we walked into the post office. It turned out my dad was there. And she was like, and this is your father. And I looked up, and there was this really tall, totally handsome, smiling man who I had never even conceptualized before because, as I said, we weren't taught that we had mothers and fathers. And um, I didn't even know that such a human existed. And then this was mine. This, this is your father. Her father got down on his knees so he could look her in the eyes. He asked her if she wanted to join him on a dump run. One thing led to another, and I was able to go home with him and stay with him for three days, she, three days while she went back on her tree planting job. Her father, Creek, was living with a woman, Betty Ann, in a tiny mining cabin about a mile hike in from the road. And Cecilia still remembers first walking into that house and meeting Betty Ann. Betty Ann was canning. And I remember, and she still has this apron. She had this beautiful floral apron, and she was in the kitchen, and she didn't have a shirt underneath it, and she just seemed so, like, peaceful and in her element and just canning. Um, And she was probably canning peaches around that time of year or blackberry jam. And it was just so, like, warm and homey. Cecilia hadn't felt anything homey in a very long time. It was amazing driving into a town where people knew me. I mean, I'd never, ever had that before, and I didn't know it existed. And people were like, oh, Tecilia. And I, of course, was like, my name's Tossaday. And I wouldn't, I would definitely had none of the Tecilia thing initially. And they were so welcoming and, like, loving. And, like, I was kind of like the, like a long-lost soldier, like, so, like someone who'd come back that they weren't sure that they would ever see again. Creek and Betty Ann worked in the town school, and so they brought Cecilia with them. And even though she was almost nine years old, she didn't know how to read. So they parked her with the preschool teacher for the day. And I remember sitting down in the circle of all these little kids, like three, four, and five-year-olds, and I'm eight, and just towering over them. And she sat down in front of them and started reading a book with the words facing us. And it was the first time I'd ever seen someone 
because I'd seen like I'd seen people reading to themselves, but I'd n- I'd never had that process of like she took the words on the page and transferred the message to us. Like it was, um, it looked like magic to me, and I just was like, I want to figure out how to do that. It became this. There's uh, yeah, it's crazy because maybe there's just moments in your life where that happens, but. It was like the guiding force at that point in my life. So apparently at the end of that day, I went home to Creek and Bidian and I asked if I could live with them. She doesn't remember a pause. They just said yes. At her father's house, they cleared a space for her, one small shelf. She'd never had a shelf with the Shiva Lila. She never had anything to put on a shelf. And in that day, her life shifted. She was, in effect, giving up on the chase, giving up on her mom. But she was also fiercely going toward something. She chose a different life. Reading, community, school, being part of a family with her dad. So I I really got to believe there was just this whole cosmic tumbleweed of stuff. You know, me kneeling down, talking to her, she going to school, Betty Ann being the one that she meets. And then her mother, bless her pointed little head, her mother couldn't say no, could not say no. Because the fucking Shiva Lila thing was, if your kid is adamant about something, she couldn't not let her do it. As much as she wanted to, and she wanted to not let her do it. She truly felt like Shiva Lila was the best thing for her. She knew it was the best thing for her, and she felt it was the best thing for me. And she didn't feel like I was making the right decision, or at least is what she conveyed. But she had to honor my choice. She agreed to let Cecilia go, to live with her father. Remember Cecilia getting thrown in that pond, sinking to the bottom, seeing that filtered light crawling her way out? Well, this is her emergence out of that pond, into the fresh air. I had grandparents for the first time. Um, I got to see my own grandmother, um, who were 50 years apart to the day. And I didn't even, you know, obviously, if I didn't know if I had father, I didn't know I had grandparents. Um, So I got to meet my grandparents for the first time and kind of we were yeah I went on to have like a really sweet relationship and the whole cascade of life followed Cecilia celebrated Christmas and her birthday for the first time she did school plays worked on the school paper she became homecoming queen in high school Betty Ann adopted her and Cecilia now calls her mom and Forrest who left the Philippines with Jeff as a baby he lived near her and they grew up together and now, 30-something years later, Cecilia is an editor at a publishing company. She lives in Berkeley with her husband and two kids, a four-year-old girl and a six-year-old boy. So for many, many years, I didn't think I wanted to have kids. And then I just realized very recently that I remembered that I had had this fear. I re- my biggest fear having kids was that I would be detached. Like her mother, that she couldn't help but to replicate her mother. She says she hasn't had that problem. She thinks her experiences, the terrible ones and the great ones, have made her a better parent. So I guess it makes me feel very protective of kids, and I genuinely love them. Like, I have this capacity to to love not just my own kids, but kids. And I think that's an upside of Shivalila and Creek and Betty Ann and Black Bear combined. Like, they really taught me the value of um, nurturing and protecting and valuing children. Cecilia has spent decades trying to understand what happened during her time with the Shivalila and grappling with the fact that her mother wholeheartedly embraced a philosophy that essentially required abandoning her daughter. She'd never really get an explanation. Her mother died of cancer when Cecilia was 13. 
she remained committed to Shivalila till the end. That's The Leap. I'm Judy Campbell. And I'm Amy Standen. Nick Dupre composed the music for this piece with additional music from Seth Samuel. Katie McMurrin and Rob Spate are our audio engineers. Nathan Campbell wrote and performed the song that you'll hear in a minute. Julie Kane edited this story. The executive producer is Joanne Wallace. And special thanks to Jonathan Berman for use of the audio from his documentary, Commune. And if you haven't already, subscribe. We have new episodes coming out every other week. And while you're at it, leave a comment in iTunes. That helps us, and it helps other people find out about the show. Thank you so much. Leaping lizards, is that really me? I wasn't born to fly, Lord, Lord, I was born to green. So circle your buzzers. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.